Welcome to the Generations United podcast, where we share insights from experts from the intergenerational field about how these practices improve the lives of children, youth, older adults, and the communities that they live in. I'm your host, Donna Butts, Executive Director of Generations United. I'm really delighted that today our guest is Aaron Hilligan, and Aaron currently serves as the Vice President of Operations at Ebenezer Ridges in Minnesota. It's one of the shared sites that we highlight in our new report with the Eisner Foundation. And I had the pleasure of visiting with Erin and her staff while we were doing the research for the report. And I was just so impressed with the work that everyone is engaged in there, but most importantly, with the heart, with the spirit, with the commitment that Erin and those who work with her have towards creating a really powerful and wonderful intergenerational shared site. We also quoted Erin in the report, so it's great to have a chance to have this conversation. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I was fortunate to be able to visit, but most of our listeners haven't been to Ebenezer Ridges. So could you talk a little bit about Ebenezer Ridges and then leading into your evolution to become an intergenerational shared site? Sure. So I started as an intern at Ebenezer Ridges about 25 years ago. I left the organization and I came back about 17 years ago and I was the campus administrator at Ebenezer Ridges. And during that time, just before I started, childcare had been decided to be added to the campus. And that would be the first for Ebenezer that they had. And the idea originally had been that it would be helpful for our employees that worked at Ebenezer Ridges. Over time, after we got started and things started to grow and we started forming our team and really looking at intergenerational living around relationships and who we get to know, we realized that it wasn't a child care that we had on a campus for seniors, but it really became part of our heart of how we saw aging how we saw living, and truly the relationships. I keep saying it, it's not a program, it's not a service, it's a way of life and living through the relationships and getting to know whether you're one year old or you're 101, that's who lives at Ebenezer Ridges. That's great. So really what you have is a campus, or originally had a campus that had, and help me if I'm correct about this, you had a continuing care retirement community, dementia or Alzheimer's units, but it was really a traditional senior facility and then decided to add the child care at first as an employee benefit and then realized that it benefited everyone. Right. It really actually was a nursing home first. And then a HUD building was added and an assisted living was added. And we had an adult day program that was kind of tucked in a corner. So we moved the adult day to more prominent place in the campus, added the child care to be close to the adult day. So it really became a connection of the entire campus. But you're right. It was intended really as a service. And then I think what ended up happening, which it should have always had been thought of as really it's part of our living. It's part of who we are. And you talked about the fact that you were an intern and then you came back. So what was it that brought you back and why have you stayed? Right. Well, Truthfully, my preceptor, when I interned 25 years ago, she was the campus administrator at Ebenezer Ridges and had been promoted in the company and asked me to come back to take her position. And I thought, well, great, because I really liked working with her. But the other truth is that Ebenezer and its mission, Ebenezer means stone of help, and it always resonated. And I think my experience as an intern helped shape me as a leader. So coming back to the organization and kind of taking that next step after I'd had some experience under my belt and I was ready to step in and work with her 
her and the leaders to take particularly Ebenezer Ridge's campus at that time from kind of good to great. Again, the child care had just come on. We had just added assisted living. We were really moving to the next level of who we were serving and what we were doing. And I've been here ever since. I love that stone of help. That's beautiful. So when you talk about bringing it to the next level, is there something that you're especially proud of that has gone to that next level under your leadership? There's a lot of things that I am proud of, particularly at Ebenezer Ridges, but Ebenezer in general. But at Ebenezer Ridges, I think the next level for us, honestly, was really getting clear about who we were serving in the community that we were serving. So whether it was the people in Burnsville, Minnesota, that's where the Ridges campus is located, and those that we were serving on the campus, it was fun. The people are great, proud of deficiency-free surveys, proud of our lifelong learning initiatives, proud of our Eisner Prize honorable mention, and how we've incorporated intergenerational living into the culture. It's a wonderful place. It just feels good there. And so when you think about a typical day, what does it look like? Can you walk us through what a typical day might be on campus? Well, I don't think there's a typical day. So uh, we (laughs) have a lot of laughter. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of things that, you know, you have a schedule, but sometimes the schedule isn't actually the schedule. There are people that need certain levels of care. But I I think in general, like the day is we have a a planned event, but it's what happens in that planned event that is probably the, the icing on the cake, the smiles, the laughter, the stories, the people coming together. I, like I close my eyes and I think about it, I see people walking in the hall and I see them smiling and shaking hands. And it's amazing how kids are. They just walk so in a perfect line, yet at the same time, they're still kids. So how do we all live together? And it's just part of that community. So I think there's a typical day where we, you know, take care of people, but it's stuff outside of the typical day that actually makes it what it is, special. Yeah, very special for the staff, for the parents, for the children, for the residents, special for everyone. Halloween is coming up, and that's super funny. It's like a funny time because everybody dresses up. Like, literally, everybody dresses up, and we trick-or-treat, and it's very fun. You don't see that in other places. No, you don't. Have you seen some unique costumes that have brought chuckles to you? Yeah, right. It's just always funny what the kids will wear, but the residents will dress up too. I've seen a lot of princesses. We have superheroes and dragons and horses and you name it. And the parents will come with the kids because it's their only trick-or-treating that they're doing. It's safe and it's a good environment and all the residents come out. It's very fun. In the entire campus, everywhere. I absolutely love a photo that we use a lot here at Generations United, and it's of a child who's in an intergenerational care facility, and he told his parents he wanted to dress up as one of the grand friends because that was the greatest honor and most wonderful position he could think of. And he looked fantastic with his walker, his white hair, and he was the hit of the site that day. Yeah, I remember that. That's a good one, too. It's so fun. So all of the wonderful connections, the relationships, things like that, do you think that those attribute to the fact that you seem to have a pretty low staff turnover compared to the industry average? What would you say leads to that lower staff turnover? Ebenezer Ridges does have a lower turnover than other communities in Ebenezer, which is fun to see. I think truly it's the sense of community, the sense of purpose and how we're all tied together. People want to go to work there. It's fun. It's engaging. It's energizing. There's life everywhere. And we all have the same idea of caring for each other, caring for people that are there. And I think it's that sense of purpose that really keeps people to want to stay and not go somewhere else. It feels like that's where you're supposed to be. And that was interesting because when I had a chance to visit with you and your staff, that 
culture, that sense of purpose and commitment really seemed to resonate through everyone when they talked about the commitment to your mission, to what you were doing, was just very strong. And I think that says a lot about what makes it a very special place. I agree. I do. I mean, you can feel it, whether you ask uh, the nurses on the floor, or you ask a teacher in the child care, or you ask an executive director in one of our buildings, they'll all tell you it's a family, it's a community. Do you have any hints for others that may be wanting to run a program, an intergenerational shared site like yours, and they're thinking about how do they create that culture? A lot of people ask me that question. I think it's interesting. I think the first thing is is that you have to want to do it, meaning you have to be open to it. I had done a thesis when I was going to school about intergenerational living, and I remember a lot of people would say to me, you know, well, we're in the business of taking care of seniors. Why would you want to complicate it? It's expensive for insurance. They give me all the reasons why it wouldn't work. But all the research would say it, it's the right thing to do. And so I think you have to go in with your brain saying that this is really about relationships and living and not, you know, what's the insurance going to cost or how much is a playground or I mean, those are all pieces of it, but it's what you're going to get after you get through all of that. And setting the culture, it's really about, again, it's the relationships that you're building. It's not the scheduled craft that you have together with kids and seniors. That's fun and it's engaging, but it's what happens during that time. Are they getting to know each other? Are they sharing stories? Are they laughing? Are they participating together? That's the relationship. That's the culture. The activity brings them together. It's what happens during that time. And it's over time that people get to know each other and it becomes more comfortable with everybody. And so for where we started 17 years ago to where we are today is very different. And being able to grow other child care programs and intergenerational living in our organization has been fabulous. So it's about the relationships. It's not about the program. I say it all the time. And I know that also you folks have been evolving so that now you're managing other sites, but you're also consulting on some new developments that are creating intergenerational shared sites. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, right. We have one other child care location, an intergenerational living environment, senior living, in a suburb not too far away from Burnsville, and then one that'll be opening here in October, a little bit on the western suburbs. And then we have a new one opening up right by the University of Minnesota. And so as we've looked at those communities as they're opening and why they have been selected to incorporate child care is because of the space they have, but also the type of community they're in, and that the ownership of those particular buildings are very fascinated by the idea of intergen living. So for example, our project at Prospect Park, which is by the University of Minnesota, there's a lot of professors and a lot of education and the University Medical Center is really close there. They love the idea of intergen. So it's a pretty comfortable conversation. It makes sense to them. They're used to having, you know, college students. Okay, well, let's talk about younger people too, as well as taking care of seniors. So it just has to have the right attitude about it, and it makes complete sense. And we build it into the performa and how it works. And so it's just how we start them up. Just start that way. Start Intergen. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. You can really tell a difference in a facility when it's intentionally created to be intergenerational as opposed to those where it's kind of an add-on later. It takes a lot more to really integrate and create that feeling that you're talking about of belonging for everyone. So when you have that opportunity to start from scratch, it's absolutely great. Yep, I agree. And I, there are people, though, that say to me, well, I can't afford to add a child care. You know, how do I create that environment? And it, it just takes a little more intention 
to find the right partners in your community to bring them in. And again, though, it's not just something that you have on the calendar. It's once a month. It's about the intentional relationships that are formed over that time. That's what I always say is, well, what's your purpose of doing it? Is it to say that you're doing it? Or how do you know that you're actually having purposeful engagement? And make sure that you're checking yourself that you're engaging everybody in that same purpose. You don't have to have a child care. It's a lot easier and it's super fun and I love it. But I know not everyone is able to do that. So let's go a little bit deeper into some of the stories and activities, things that you've seen at Ebenezer Ridges. In the report that we released recently with the Eisner Foundation, which is called The Best of Both Worlds, A Closer Look at Creating Spaces That Connect Young and Old, we have a wonderful quote from you. The kids and older adults, sometimes they find their kindred spirits. So could you talk a little bit about those kindred spirits and maybe a story that you remember that illustrates that for our listeners? There's quite a few. I think the one maybe I shared with you, Donna, was personal because it was my daughter and my grandpa. So I'm going to use that one first, and then I'll share one that's not my family. So for the listeners that don't know, my children grew up on the child care while I was there. My grandparents also lived on the campus. My grandma was fairly sick when they moved in. She passed away, and my grandpa then was there living on the campus without my grandma. And my son was older than my daughter, so he had graduated, but my daughter was there. And for my own good luck, they became friends. And they became friends in a way that I didn't expect. I had been there on the campus for a while. I've seen intergenerational relationships, but they really became friends. And an example was the very first bus ride my daughter had. She was three, and my grandpa was on the bus. It was her first ride, and they were going to the apple orchard. It was in the fall, right about the same time of the year. And we got home that night, and I asked my daughter, well, how was it? And she said, it was really fun. I saw Grandpa Chuck, and he got me a muffin, and we saw apples. And I was like, well, that's fabulous. And then I asked my grandpa the next day, how did it go? And he said, it was just wonderful. Your honey, so he called my daughter, your honey, she fell asleep on my arm on the way back from the apple orchard. It was just great. And I was like, from that moment on, I started paying attention to their friendship. Later, my grandpa got sick, and my mom didn't know really what to do, so she went and grabbed my daughter out of the daycare. She went up there. She sat next to my grandpa for the whole day and colored and humming, which I thought was really interesting because she never did that. But my grandma, she didn't really know, had passed away. That's what my grandma did all the time is she would hum, and it was kind of a soothing thing for my grandma. So there she is, coloring and humming, sitting next to my grandpa, and... I don't know how she would know to do that. I still, to this day, I don't know. And she sat there and colored and colored, and the nurses came in and out, the nurse practitioner, and kind of gave me the rundown of he's not doing really well. His heart was doing something funny, and we were all kind of expecting an end, I guess. And all of a sudden, it was about 5 o'clock. She stood up. She said, he's fine, and it's time to go. He opened his eyes, and he asked what had happened, and it was the strangest thing. But after that, I really started paying attention to when children and seniors, whether they were related or not, how they became friends. And things that three and four-year-olds would notice were amazing. We had a couple that lived with us, Marilyn and her husband. And Marilyn and her husband would volunteer a lot and be part of our music program with the kids. And so the kids got to know them. And uh, her husband passed away. He was pretty advanced stages of Parkinson and passed away, but she still liked to volunteer. 
It was about a month after her husband passed away. One of the kids came up to her. A four-year-old asked her how she was feeling and if she missed her husband. I'm amazed by the friendships and how thoughtful the kids are, as well as, you know, Marilyn, those weren't her grandkids, but she was connected enough with them to, to talk about how she felt about losing her husband and that appreciated they were asking her. I have so many of those stories of people that I know that were connected, and that's the stuff that you can't quantify in a data, but you know it in your heart, that those relationships matter. That's important. That's going to be different for those kids as they grow older. So there's kindred spirits all over in taking time to pause and hear their stories and watch the relationship. It warms your heart and it makes you feel excited for the future of our generations. Those are wonderful stories, Erin. Thank you. It really does remind me of so many of the people I talk to who lead or head up intergenerational shared sites talk about the calls they get later from teachers as the children go into the school system. And they get calls about how those children are the most accepting, the most empathetic, the most likely to run up to somebody with disabilities and say hello and not notice the disabilities. They're just much more empathetic and warm individuals. And that's exactly what you're describing in those stories. Yes, for sure. I remember one, though, when I was there, and that was, I believe his name was Don, and I think that someone on your staff was talking about him. He lived in your memory care unit, and even as his memory loss became greater, he always was ready on Wednesday afternoons in his suit and ready to go over and read to the children. It was the one thing he never lost. Does that sound familiar to you? Yes, it does. And again, it was purpose for him. That was important and he remembered that that was something that he was going to do. We have one resident who dressed up as Santa. He had been Santa forever, and he was a Santa in a wheelchair, but the kids didn't even know that. They literally didn't notice that he was in a wheelchair. They were so excited that he came. You know, talking with you, Erin, it just makes me think about the report, again, that we just recently released with the Eisner Foundation, because what we really tried to focus on is these make so much sense, and people love them, and this is what they want for their parents, they want for themselves, they want for their children, and yet there are so few of them in the country. And what we're trying to do is elevate the excellent models that do exist like yours and really try to encourage people to take this on. So as one of our friends at the Eisner Foundation said the other day, with all of us working together, we will make these sites not rare, but everywhere. <laughs> And I think that's Love what it. I do too. And I think that's what we need to work on together. So I'm very grateful for everything that you and your colleagues are doing at Ebenezer Ridges. And you're allowing us to share some of the wonderful things that happen every day there. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention to our listeners before I go into some closing remarks? Not necessarily, but I'd like to say thank you. I think Generations United is a great organization to also lift us up. We didn't have a lot of ways to share our stories. And so I appreciate you so much listening to our story and engaging us so we can tell it. There's just not as many people that want to hear what we have to say. They think it sounds fluffy, and it's not. It's a real way to live, and it's important work for all of us. And I just appreciate the opportunity to talk about it and get whatever, 20 minutes of time. <laughs> You're great. And I so agree with you that that's really what we're trying to do with this podcast, too, is to reach new audiences, to make sure that it's not just those of us that believe in the power of intergenerational connections and intergenerational practices, but we're reaching others. So I really appreciate that and appreciate your support and partnership. 
So I'd like to highlight for folks that we did release the report, The Best of Both Worlds, A Closer Look at Creating Spaces that Connect Young and Old, with the Eisner Foundation recently on Capitol Hill. And we just posted a recap of that event that you can tune into, listen to, look at the pictures. And the event featured Trent Stamp, who heads the Eisner Foundation, our dear partners. Also, we were so thrilled that Assistant Secretary for Aging Lance Robertson came by and shared his perspective and his commitment to these kinds of programs and sites. Senator Bob Casey joined us and has done some wonderful work across the aisle in getting language included in the reauthorization of the Older Americans Act that would encourage shared sites and intergenerational practices. You can find a fact sheet on the Older Americans Act, which includes those provisions, on our website at gu.org under resources. So I encourage you to keep an eye as Congress is working on the Older Americans Act, and we are very hopeful that shared sites and intergenerational practices will continue to be included in those. And then capping the evening for us when we released the report was our good friend Diane Beckley at St. Anne Center. So I encourage you to look at that recap. I'd like to thank you for listening today. And I want to extend another special, special thank you to Aaron Hilligan for joining us today and sharing your wonderful stories. It's really terrific to hear from you. Thank you so much for having me. And to you, our listeners, I'd also like to encourage you to look out for our next State of Grand Families report that's coming out later this year. And also to remember we are trying to reach new people with this podcast. So be sure to go online, leave a review view on Apple Podcasts or other streaming platforms. And whatever you do, rate us high (laughs) so we can try to, again, break into some new areas and new fields. Because remember, to build a world that values and engages all ages, it's going to take all of us. It begins with you in your community, in your neighborhood, in your home, reaching out, touching, being connected to people of other ages. So encourage you to do that. And thank you again for listening.